Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Laws, and today I've got a special guest, none other than my cousin, Alicia Young. She is a director of HR services at Zenium. I had you on one podcast Mm -hmm. last about this time last year, and it was like just a brief segment, and we talked about like experiential learning. Yes. And I'm going to tap into some of that experiential learning uh, today. So we represent, at Zenium, we represent a lot of small, mid-sized companies, and occasionally you'll have... Uh, and, and maybe this you're going to tell me, complaints happen, right? And mm-hmm. it it doesn't feel good when it happens. Probably right. you have employee complaints about something, mm-hmm. and then you got to do something about it because you don't want it to escalate to a, a level where legal action needs to happen, right? So right. hopefully you never have to go through that as a small company. Uh, and I'm sure people listening either have gone through something like that. Or uh, this, hopefully, this podcast will help you prepare for if you do go through something like that. Alicia, you you've probably done tons of investigations mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah, I have. I wish I could say that the word occasionally is the climate that we're in right now, but um, unfortunately, workplace conduct issues are happening left and right, um, uh, mostly generated around inappropriate behavior, Interesting. but um, it, it seems to be definitely bubbling up over the last several months. Yeah. So you said inappropriate behavior. Is it is that usually the majority of those sort of complaints, or is it something else? Usually, it's uh, yeah. I would say there. It's for the most part, it is inappropriate behavior. Does it does it always warrant the word harassment? Not always. Um, does it sometimes warrant the word harassment? Sometimes it does. Uh, but but for the most part, it's inappropriate behavior or policy violations or just people not getting along. And when people just don't get along in the workplace, they tend to bring out all of the issues that they have with each other, uh, which typically then causes other problems. We represent as any we represent a lot of different small medium sized companies. Percentage-wise, would you say that comes up with a complaint? Like in your book of business, you rep- mm-hmm. what do you have, 30 clients, 30, 40 clients, something like that, maybe more? Yeah, usually our business partners are sitting between anywhere between 30 and 40 clients So, each. And it's a random sampling of industries. Absolutely. Is anybody off limits to a complaint? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, typically, it's a, there, are, there are times when the complaints look different, um, you know, from, let's say, a manufacturing environment to a professional services environment. But ultimately, sometimes they are the exact same just done in a different form or fashion. Yeah. So you you said a lot of it's an inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. When these complaints happen, is it the employee that's driving the complaint and who are they going to? Yeah. Usually it's the employee that drives the complaint um, that comes in or the request for a transfer or sometimes it's even, quite frankly, sometimes it comes after um, we've given some form of a counseling to 
uh, an employee. So now all of a sudden they have a bunch of complaints uh, that they're bringing forward. So it's really, it's all over the board. Um, it comes from all different angles and on all different tenure, uh, levels of tenure and if with employees, um, male, female, it, it doesn't matter. It, it comes from uh, pretty much everywhere right now. With when When a complaint happens, how often do you think like an employer could just handle it on their own? It, you, like you said, a lot of maybe disagreements. How often do they handle the handle it on their own to, toward it doesn't escalate to like a full scale investigation yeah. versus it escalates to a point where okay now we're having to bring in like a third party or an right. attorney or whatever people yeah. do at the that next phase. Well, I think there um, one of the big key things to understand is there is a there is a difference between um, employee relations and an investigation. And sometimes em- owners and management staff will think they are the same thing. Not every type of complaint that comes in warrants an investigation. How do you how do you distinguish between the, t- the two? How do you know when you're going to go to investigation and and go through that process versus just employee relations? I think it, a lot of times that depends on the type of complaint that yeah. comes in. So obviously, if there's any type of protected classes involved, or if there's a complaint of a sexual nature, if, if there's a complaint that involves a manager and an employee, typically we go straight to investigation at that point. But a lot of a lot of times people come in and they just have disagreements in the workplace, uh, and that t- sometimes tends to lead towards just inappropriate behavior towards each other or towards others um, that may not necessarily be uh, protected in nature. But those are things that sometimes we can work out amongst people versus um, making a bigger deal out of something that it has to be. When a company, small company, uh, let's say they don't have a Zenium or they don't have an attorney that they have trusted on their side, they have a complaint that comes through. They don't have an HR person. So maybe they're a business owner who's kind of managing the people. Uh, They maybe have some managers, but they don't have a third party or somebody to rely on who knows this inside and out. Right. When a complaint comes through, what do they do first? I think I think the first thing they need to do is kind of like the question you asked a minute ago is when can they do it on their own versus when do they need to seek some form of at least some type of counsel around how how to go about it. I, I think a lot of it has to do with how the complaint is given to the company. So was it already given in writing? Was it an anonymous complaint? Um, did it come in by the form of somebody during a one-on-one or they asked to meet with a manager and talk through things? So I, I think a lot of it, that's usually the first step um, is that yeah. intake what I like to say so whoever intakes that that first initial conversation with whoever is complaining that's it's in, really it's key. interesting that the complaints come in different forms like the anonymous how do you even handle an anonymous one you you yeah, full scale, are hard full-scale investigation on the entire company like what do you <laughs> what do you do in that case yeah those are really hard because a lot of times even with so a lot of times you know we'll get a, we get a slip of a paper or something sent on an email but we don't know who it's from or you know somebody somebody comes forward and says I want to make a complaint but I don't want my name associated with it and I'm just letting you know so I want it kept confidential and unfortunately the answer to that is we can't keep it confidential and the ones that come in that are unanimous uh, or anonymous those we just have to we have to kind of monitor so what exactly are they saying can we narrow it down by department um, or or people within the organization or is it so broad that there's really nothing we can do and we can just um, maybe make an action plan to address address um, com- the way in which we make complaints within the organization so that everybody understands what our complaint reporting procedure looks like. And that also tells me that we also need to get the employees comfortable with coming to either management or HR with their complaints um, so that they don't come through as anonymous. So 
complaint comes through and it could be a different like could be anonymous it could be in a one-on-one it could be what what is that next step as far as like okay i've got a complaint do i talk more with the employee about it do i start documenting do i call my attorney like what's yeah. that what's that next you phase? know what i like to tell a manager especially when it's one of their employees coming forward with a complaint is to just listen yeah um you know give them the opportunity to be heard and listen with compassion don't judge and don't rush to try to fix things either so bring, taking it all in at that moment and then just telling the employee you know give me some time to kind of uh, think through what it is you've just told me and then seek my own counsel. So whether or not that's another manager to an HR person or to the president of the organization or to an attorney outside, um, that gives that manager enough time to just kind of have a little breathing room. Mm-hmm. We, we don't expect managers to go in and get all the details right then and there. You know, their their main job is to just be able to listen and allow that employee to be heard in that moment. And then really, quite frankly, it's then our job after the fact to come in and really get into the grind and get into the those level of details that are going to help us either substantiate or not substantiate a claim during an investigation. How often are like whoever's taking the complaint are they updating the employee on the process of the complaint? Like, okay, well, here we are. I'm, let me digest it. I'll come back to you tomorrow with uh, what the next action is going to be. Like, what? How much are you? Uh, updating them on progress. We would hope that our managers are trained <laughs> to give them kind of, a, you know, give the employees a timeline. Um, sometimes we can't give them a specific timeline because we don't know what the investigation is going to look like until we dive a little deeper. But we should absolutely be following up with the complainant within, you know, I, I like to personally follow up within about 24 hours to make sure that they understand that they've been heard. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have our action plan in place, but it is important that we tell the complainant that, that, that they have been heard we're going to be taking action we'll be meeting with them um shortly and reaching out to them to gather further information about their complaint let's say this goes to and this the whole purpose of this podcast is to 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 show people like the process of an investigation so let's say we're going to put the ones that you could solve um, easily easily aside yeah let's go into full-scale investigation here What's that What's that first step as far as you're uh, maybe figuring out who's involved and scheduling meetings? Like how, what's the timeline of all this taking place and what's really that typically that first step? Yeah. So our first step is to gather the, the information that we have based on the complaint um, as soon as possible. And then that's when we start to build out our plan. Uh, usually our first step is to reach out to the complainant, let them know they've been heard, let them know that we're taking action um, in the form of doing some interviews and that we'd like to interview them first. Um, so it's important that even though uh, an employee may tell their manager what the complaint is, it's even more important that they sit down with us and go through the actual details of the complaint. And then once we have that, then our real action starts to take place at that point in the sense of now we know, are there have there been witnesses that um, the witness the exact same behavior? Are we, we need to go schedule those meetings? Do we now notify potentially the person that's been, that's been complained about? Those all kind of depend on on the circumstances of the investigation. So there are times when there's are there's there's a reason for us to remove somebody from um, the office, the facility immediately because maybe there's safety concerns for mm. whatever took place. So we have to take action based on what the complaint is about. If it's if there's something of a violent, a violent there's violence um, involved or sexual harassment involved, we will we will probably move to remove somebody from the workplace immediately pending the investigation. I can so imagine it just like totally wreak havoc on the 
culture if people know about this happening and it's like you're mid investigation and now you have people involved that are still in the workplace. So you're saying to remove them in some cases. We will we will sometimes, depending on the circumstances, remove somebody from the actual workplace. Usually it's the person that's being complained about um, mm. if the the offenses are severe enough, yeah. you know, two people not getting along and claiming that it's uh, that it's that it might be just because of something that happened outside of work or something that happened in work where they don't like the way that they talk to each other. One person's more abrasive than the other. That doesn't warrant us taking somebody out of the workplace. But um, if, you know, if we have a manager who's potentially sexually harassing somebody or text messaging somebody inappropriately or anything along those lines, we will remove that man- that manager immediately um, pending the investigation so that that way we can, we can as much as possible move quickly through the investigation. I imagine... And in any investigation, documentation is like everything to this. So talk about how you typically set up like a folder or a plan of some sort. And then also tell me what you can and cannot document. Because first thing, like if you're doing a bunch of interviews, I would think, oh, gosh, streamlining it would be recording them or something. But you probably can't (laughs) do that, right? So talk to me about like what you're doing from a documentation standpoint, best practice. Best practice is we don't record. I think there are certain um, places and organizations, environment that may record. We choose not to uh, from a third-party perspective unless there was a reason or let's say it's a union environment where they record everything um, that comes through. But we typically don't use a recording device. Um, we do have to document everything to a T as much as we practically can. So you will see a lot of times more than one person going into the investigation, depending on the, the severity of the investigation. Um, so you'll have somebody asking the questions and another person that is trying to get um, type up all the notes as verbatim as possible. It does it does mean that there's a lot of times where we're having to go in and make sure that we've captured everything correctly, double-checked the questions. And then a lot of times we're... Um, we're going back in and asking some additional questions, especially with some of the people that are more heavily involved. So that's our opportunity to review our notes and say, okay, we, well, we need to ask another question here, followed by maybe a second or third question. So that everything kind of uh, comes together smoothly when it comes to the documentation. So if it gets, if it escalates to a point where legal action is being taken, what's that documentation going to, how's it going to end up? Everything could be discoverable. So um, it's so important that we are cleaning up our notes. We're making sure that we have um, captured everything as much as practical um, in the moment or as close to the investigation as possible. Following an investigation, we like to do memos to the people that were involved, just reminding them that there's no retaliation and or substantiating or not substantiating the complaint to, to other to specific people involved in the claim. All those things are part of the documentation process. So um, those are cleaned up and stored in case everything does become discoverable. Physical files or electronic? What are you doing? We keep uh, a combo of both. Um, there are times sometimes when um, I will go into an investigation where I actually may not take my laptop uh, hmm. because I want it to be a little bit more of a dialogue between the the person and myself. And so then, of course, then I'll have some physical files. I may scan them, put them under the drive, but they need to be captured in a confidential area that nobody has access to yeah. and kept away from anything else that could be discoverable from a different perspective. Email communication. I imagine there's a lot of email communication going back and forth between either complainants or uh, people you're interviewing or witnesses, whatever it may be. How do you document the email trails? I imagine because it's digital that you can access server files at any time, but how does that become part of the documentation? 
Yeah, you do want to be extremely careful with what you're going back and forth on email. Even when you're strategizing on how to manage through the investigation or strategizing on how you're going to handle the investigation at the end of the time period, it's better to keep that stuff out of the email trail. But but making sure that you are saving those emails is key um, because it will go based, you know, what's discoverable and what's not discoverable will go based on your archive philosophy in the company and what's kept and what's not kept. But for the most part, anything that, re- that relates to an ER situation, investigation, workplace conduct, we're keeping in some form of a file that potentially could be brought up later. How many of these go to legal action? Like percentage, if you're just about to guess, and I don't have to hold yeah, you to Yeah, you know, this, <laughs> we have seen over the last two or three years, we've seen an extremely heightened number of legal action taking place with a lot of different companies, from anywhere from harassment claims to um, mm. ADA issues, wage and hour issues. So it's it's somewhat across the board. Um, surprisingly enough, I would say that the last two or three years, we've probably seen an uptick of of 10 20 percent um talk about like, of claims our, that come talk in. about our role in that process yeah. what what do you do for a client on that? so it it kind of depends on what our role was to begin with so if we were the ones who conducted the the third party investigation obviously we'd work very closely with the attorneys to give them over all the emails and the oh, memos so a and documents and, yeah. a lot of fact finding most of the time they start off with a state some form of a state claim so bully would be the state of Oregon it'll start off with a bully claim or start off with an EEOC claim and and there we just kind of look to see what are what are what is the person claiming and then we respond specifically to to those claims that they have in the actual the, the bully claim itself or the EEOC claim with the backup documentation um, showing what we did regarding those specific claims. So it, it you know, our role is very engaged. So we need to, we, we literally have to hand walk from the minute we get a claim in our hand, um, we hand walk that all the way through to hopefully the day that it's um, finished and we put a bow on it and it goes away nicely. <laughs> is there, yeah, speaking of nicely, is there any usually good ending to, to this stuff? <laughs> you know, um, when when you can get bully to dismiss a claim, yeah. that is a great ending. And is it honestly, a good ending for the employee? It's is it a good? It can be. I mean, sometimes it's closure for them too, in the yeah. sense that maybe they um, they've had access to our response if they if they've requested it, and they see like, hey, we did all these things that maybe they just didn't they didn't have access to before. This goes back to the most important job as an HR professional is to communicate well and to communicate with the people that are making claims. Um, because if we're not doing our job well and communicating to them exactly what our process is and how we've managed through the process, then that's when you're going to see more and more claims because people go away and then they make an assumption that something else took place behind the scenes. Well, I could I could let you talk on this all day long and you're so knowledgeable on this. I know you've got to run soon. Any lasting words that you'd want to say for people who maybe haven't had this happen yet or who have gone through it and just weren't really happy with the way they handled it? What what kind of advice would you give them? I would just say keep an open mind and don't judge the situation before you've really mm. seen all the like facts. truly be a third party. And, and truly be a third party. Even as a manager in an organization, you know, when an employee comes to you and they have a complaint, take it seriously from the minute that they um, they started talking about something that they're upset with. And the more compassion and grace we can show in that process of an employee coming forward to make a complaint, the, the more gracious we can be at the end when we either dismiss it or... Substantiated or unsubstantiated 
substantiate the claim um, with the with the employee. Awesome. Alicia Young, thank you so much for being part of the podcast and dropping all that knowledge on me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.